ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So in the previous lessons, we've been discussing the history uh, from the time of the Prophet ﷺ, through the time of the companions and the time of the Salaf, 1st century, 2nd century, 3rd century. We've been discussing the development in the writings of the books of Hadith and Aqeedah, And today then, after we've just finished looking at Al-Bukhari and Muslim and the Sunan, uh, the books of Sunan, Abu Dawood and Nasai, At-Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah, we now move on to some other famous books of Hadith also. سبق القول بأن القرن الثالث الهجري يعد العصر الذهبي لتدوين العلوم الإسلامية عامة وعلوم السنة النبوية خاصة We've already mentioned that the third century Hijri it is considered as the golden era for writings the third century is considered as the golden era for the writings, Islamic writings as a whole, and specifically the writings in relation to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَتَابَعَ عُلَمَاءُ السُّنَّةِ فِي الْقَرْنِ الرَّابِعِ مَنْ سَبَقَهُمْ فِي خِدْمَةِ السُّنَّةِ الْمُطَهَّرَةِ that is something which then continued into the 4th century also. In the 4th century, the scholars continued the work of the scholars of the previous centuries in their writings and in their efforts in aiding the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. فَكَانَ مِنْهُمْ مَنْ نَسَجَ عَلَى مِنْوَالِ الصَّحِيحَيْنِ فِي تَخْرِيجِ الْأَحَدِيثِ الصَّحِيحَةِ And there were some in the fourth century who tread upon the pathway of Al-Imam Al-Bukhari and Al-Imam Muslim in attempting to put together books with only sahih Hadith in them. So you have examples like the Sahih of Ibn Khuzaymah, and the Sahih of Ibn Hibban, and the Sahih of Ibn Sakan, and the Mustadrak of Al Hakim. وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ نَهَجَ مَنْهَجْ أَصْحَابِ السُّنَنِ فَلِاقْتِصَارِ عَلَى أَحَدِيثِ السُّنَنِ وَالْأَحْكَامِ And there were other scholars 
who put together their books and their writings more upon the pathway of the style and the method of the books of the Sunan, of Sunan Abi Dawood and Ibn Majah, Tirmidhi and Nasa'i. There were some scholars who put together books more like those types of books in the 4th century. You have examples like the Muntaqa of Ibn al-Jarud, and the Sunan of al-Darqutni, and the Sunan of al-Bayhaqi, even though al-Imam al-Bayhaqi is a little bit later in his death, he died in 458 Hijri, but it can be associated to the 4th century. His works are often connected in with the 4th century, uh, even though he himself died in 458 Hijri. فَهُوَ شرح معاني الآثار ومشكل الآثار Also in the 4th century there were books written about explaining hadith and what might look like contradictions in hadith how do we understand them, how do we harmonize them there were books of that nature that were also written uh, you have the two famous ones شرح معاني الآثار and also Mushkil Al-Athar of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi. وَذَلِكَ تَتْمِيمًا وَتَكْمِيلًا لِمَا بَدَأَهُ الْإِمَامُ شَافِعِي And that was in completion of what Al-Imam Shafi'i had already begun في كتابه اختلاف الحديث a book by Imam Shafi'i, Ikhtilaf al-Hadith, talking about the different narrations and what may look like contradictions in narrations. Wal-Hafiz ibn Qutaybah, fi kitabihi ta'wil mukhtalif al-Hadith, wa ghayrihi ma mima allafa fi thalika al-naw' fi al-qarni al-thalith. And also that example of ibn Qutaybah, so these were books that were written in explaining narrations and how to combine them and what may look like uh, contradictions in them or explaining complicated and difficult sections of narrations and words. Similarly, كَمَا ظَهَرَ لِأَوَّلِ مَرَّةِ نَوْعَانِ مِنَ الْمُصَنَّفَاتِ فِي هَذَا الْقَرْنِ there were two new types of books that emerged in the 4th century too. Two new types of books that emerged in the 4th century. وَهَذَا يُعَدُّ مِنَ التَّجْدِيدِ فِي مَجَالِ خِدْمَةِ السُنَّةِ وَهَذِهِ مِيزَ أُخْرَى لِأَهْلِ السُنَّةِ وَهِيَ أَنَّهُمْ فِي كُلِّ عَصْرٍ يُعْمِلُونَ تَفْكِيرَهُمْ يُبْذِلُونَ جَهْدَهُمْ فِي ابْتِكَارِ طُرُقٍ وَوَسَائِلٍ جَدِيدَةٍ لِخِدْمَةِ سُنَّةِ الْمُصْطَفَى صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ So two new types of books, new categories of books came about and emerged in the fourth century. And this is considered as 
a distinguishing factor of Ahlul Sunnah. That they don't just sit back on what's there and that's it, but that they will produce works that will aid the Sunnah in different ways, from different perspectives, from different angles. So they will write books that aid and help you understand the Sunnah from different perspectives. So two new perspectives, two new angles emerged in the 4th century, which had not been done particularly in this specific style before. It existed, the knowledge existed, it's not like it was brand new knowledge that nobody knew before. It existed, but it didn't exist in this specific style of authorship. One of them is Kutub al-Mustalah, Ulum al-Hadith, the books that talk about the sciences of Hadith. Sciences of Hadith, we mean by that the various understandings of how you grade a hadith, for example, a sahih hadith, a weak hadith, hasan li ghayrihi, hasan li thatihi, what we were talking about last time, something which is hasan in of itself, something which is hasan because of supporting evidences, talking about narrations where a narrator has the same name as another narrator, but they are two different people. How that can sometimes be confused and how you work it out. All types of issues on the sciences of hadith, on the sciences of the chains of narration. These types of specific books came about in the 4th century. فَكُتُبُ الْمُصْطَلَحِ عُلُومُ الْحَدِيثِ الَّتِي جُمِعَتْ أو جَمَعَتْ تِلْكَ الْقَوَاعِدِ التي كانت متفرقة في كتب من سبقهم من علماء القرنين الثاني والثالث. So like we said, the sciences of hadith, that knowledge, those sciences were known in the earlier centuries of course. And they were written down too. But just not in a, in a fashion or in a method organized as it was and specifically done as it was in the 4th century. So previously there are examples of books written about the sciences of hadith. The famous example they mention is Ar-Risala of Al-Imam Al-Shafi'i. Within that there is discussion regarding the sciences of hadith. Similarly, the introduction of Sahih Muslim. In the introduction of Sahih Muslim, he mentions the sciences of hadith within it. مثل الرسالة لشافعي ومقدمة صحيح مسلم وكتابه التمييز. الإمام مسلم has another book known as التمييز. And that is a book also that discusses the sciences of hadith. وكتب معرفة الرجال والعلل. And the books regarding the narrators and the problems or... hidden defects within narrations, all of those types of books and that science, it existed. But it was properly organized and put together into specific authorships into the 4th century. وَيُعَدْ 
المحدث الفاصل لأبي محمد الرام هرمزي أول مؤلف في ذلك The first book or the book that is considered as the first book in the sciences of hadith properly put together as a book in the sciences of hadith is the book known as Al-Muhaddith Al-Fasil by Abu Muhammad Al-Ramuhurmuzi who died in 360 Hijri. ثُمَّ تَبِعَهُ أَبُوْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ الْحَاكِمِ Then you have Abu Abdullah Al-Hakim who died in 405 Hijri with his book Ma'rifatu Ulum Al-Hadith also specifically organized about the sciences of Hadith. And then there were others that followed thereafter. There is the second type of book that emerged in this century too now. And the second type of book that emerged in the 4th century are books that are known as the Mustakhrajat. Books that are known as the Mustakhrajat. But those will come to them in a proper chapter soon. وَهُنَاكَ أَنْوَاعَ أُخْرَى مِنَ الْمُصَنَّفَاتِ فِي مَجَالِ تَدْوِينِ السُنَّةِ فِي هَذَا الْقَرْنِ مِثْلَ الْمَعَاجِمَ الطَّبَرَانِ وَالْعِلَلِ لِلْدَارِ قُطْنِ الَّذِي رَتَّبَهُ عَلَى مَسَانِيدِ الصَّحَابَةِ وَغَيْرِهَا And there are other books that were written in this time too. Famous books in relation to the sunnah, in the sciences, and in aiding the understanding of hadith and authenticity, etc., there are the books known as the Ma'ajim al-Tabarani, Mu'ajim al-Tabarani. And he has those. And there is the Ilal of al Qutni. So there are other famous books that were written at that time too. أَمَّا فِي الْقَرْنِ الْخَامِسَ الْهِجْرِ As for the fifth century Hijri, فَقَدْ سَلَكَ عُلَمَاءُ السُنَّةِ طُرُقًا أُخْرَى وَمَجَالَاتٍ جَدِيدَةٍ لِتَدْوِينِ السُنَّةِ وَحِفْظِهَا وَجَمْعِهَا حَيْثُ ظَهَرَتْ فِي هَذَا الْقَرْنِ النُّوَاهِ الْأُولَى لِلْمَوْسُوعَاتِ الْحَدِيثَةِ In the fifth century, again, the scholars renewed their efforts in aiding and supporting the sunnah from different angles. And so another new type or new types of books emerged in the 5th century. And what emerged in the 5th century, the beginnings of it, were the books that you could mention are like encyclopedias of hadith. We had before Al-Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, books of hadith. In the 5th century, huge encyclopedias of books combining many a hadith into them emerged. Encyclopedias of hadith. So for example, there were books written in the 5th century that combined the hadith of Al-Bukhari and Muslim into books. Al-Jama' Bayna Sahihain. There were books that combined between the ahadith of all six of those books that we spoke about, Al-Bukhari and Muslim, and then the Sunan of Abu Dawud, the Tirmidhi, and the Sayyid Ibn Majah, combined their ahadith 
And all of these types of books, we will speak about them briefly in their independent chapters coming up, insha'Allah ta'ala. So, coming back to the 4th century for the moment, in the 4th century, we mentioned that there were some scholars who wrote books upon the same style of as-sahihayn. Books that included within them authentic narrations. Or that was the attempt. One of them, an example, a famous one, is the Sahih of Al-Imam Ibn Khuzaymah. Sahih Ibn Khuzaymah. And Ibn Khuzaymah, he is Abu Bakr, Muhammad Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Khuzaymah, An-Naysaburi. Abu Bakr, Muhammad Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Khuzaymah An-Naysaburi. And he has many books in fact. Ibn Khuzaymah wrote many books. He was born in the year 223 Hijri. Born in the year 223 Hijri. And died in the year 311 Hijri. Born in 223. So to put that into context, he was born in 223. When did Al-Bukhari die? 256. 256. He, Ibn Khuzayma, was born in 223. Al-Bukhari died in 256. Al-Imam Muslim died in... Two sixty one. So you can see Al Imam Ibn Khuzaymah was born during the lifetime of those other scholars of the third century. He was born during their lifetime and then he died in three hundred and eleven Hijri. Three hundred and eleven Hijri. His book is famously known as the Sahih Ibn Khuzaymah. Sahih Ibn Khuzaymah. And Dhakara al-Duktur Muhammad Mustafa al-A'zami Muhaqqiqu al-Juz al-Mawjood Mir ibn Khuzaymah An-Nasmahu kama wada'ahu mu'allifuhu Mukhtasaru al-Mukhtasar Min al-Musnad al-Sahih An-Nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Wa annahu mukhtasar min kitabihi al-Musnad al-Sahih this book of Al-Imam Ibn Khuzaymah, the section that we have available to us and which has been checked and verified and printed, the person who checked that book, Dr. Muhammad Mustafa Al-A'zami, he mentioned that Al-Imam Ibn Khuzaymah actually gave the title to his book as Mukhtasar Al-Mukhtasar. That it is the summary of the summary from the Musnad al-Sahih from the Prophet ﷺ. And that this book was actually therefore a summary of his book Al-Musnad al-Sahih. وَقَالَ الْحَافِذِ بْنُ حَجَرْ وَسَمَّ بْنُ خُزَيْمَةِ كِتَابَهُ الْمُسْنَدُ الصَّحِيحِ الْمُتَّصِلْ بِنَقْلِ الْعَدْلِ عَنِ الْعَدْلِ 
min ghayri qat'in fi sanad wala jarhin fi naqala there is a title mentioned by ibn hajar that ibn khuzayma said it was called al musnad as sahih al muttasil the connected musnad connected chains of narration bi naql al adl an al adl via the narrations of an authentic narrator from another authentic narrator min ghayri qat'in fi sanad without any cuts in the chain of narration without any breakages wala jarhin fi naqala and without any disparagement in the narrators all of that as the title of his book al imam ibn hajar mentioned this was a title ibn khuzaimah had stated too but of course as we said it is famously known as sahih ibn khuzaimah شرطه في كتابه What was the condition that he stipulated in his book? How would he select which hadith to put in there or not? اشترط ابن خزيمة رحمه الله في هذا الكتاب ألا يخرج إلا الحديث الصحيح he of course put it down as a condition that he would not report within it except authentic hadith. وَقَدْ نَصَّ عَلَى ذَلِكَ فِي عُنْوَانِ كِتَابِهِ حَيْثُ قَالْ مُخْتَصَرُ الْمُخْتَصَرُ مِنَ الْمُسْنَدِ الصَّحِيحِ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And we know that because in the very title of the book he had said it is the summary of the summary of the Musnad as-Sahih. So the very fact that he called his book the Sahih indicates that he put it down as a condition. He was only going to report the Sahih narrations therein. How did Ibn Khuzayma organize his book? How did he put it together? How did he write it? What was his manhaj? In writing the book. His manhaj in the book, meaning the style of how he put it together, how he organized it, that's his manhaj in the book. So what was his manhaj in writing this book, in putting it together? Four points you can say. Firstly, رَتَّبَهُ عَلَى الْكُتُبِ وَالْأَبْوَابِ فَبَدَأَهُ بِكِتَابِ الْوُضُوءِ ثُمَّ كِتَابُ الصَّلَاءِ وَهَكَذَا Sahih ibn Khuzayma is organized upon chapters. So he begins, for example, with the chapter of wudu and then the chapter of prayer and so on. Organized in chapters one after the next. ثُمَّ يُورِدُ تَحْتَ كُلِّ كِتَابٍ مَجْمُوعًا مِنَ الْأَبْوَابِ And under each... Uh, in fact, what we should say is, not chapter after chapter, but Book after book. That is the better way. The book of wudu, and then the book of prayer, and the book of X, Y, and Z. And then all of those books were put together into the overall book, Sahih ibn Khuzayma. Because remember, when the scholars wrote their books in the past, what we now just call chapters, it would actually be a bit more complicated. They would have the books within their overall book, and then each book had Chapters. So it's like several books, each one with chapters in it, that are all put together to make this final Sahih ibn Khuzayma. So he had several books, and under each book, he had chapters. 
So the book of prayer, and then under the book of prayer, you have the chapter of Adhan, the chapter of Jumu'ah, the chapter of Eid, the chapters of the different topics about prayer. So he had the books, and then under those books, he had the chapters. And then he would mention, of course, all of the ahadith, etc., under those. يُورِدُ الْأَحَدِيثِ مُسْنَدَهِ مِنْهُ إِلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَإِذَا كَانَ لِلْحَدِيثِ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ طَرِيقٍ يَذْكُرُهَا He then would mention the ahadith connected in the chain from himself up to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. So when he was narrating a hadith, he would say, and I narrate this hadith from... His shaykh, who narrated it from his shaykh, from his shaykh, from the Prophet ﷺ, connected to him. So he was writing those ahadith with those chains of narration correct, uh, uh, connected through him, from him to the Prophet ﷺ. And if a particular hadith had more than one chain of narration going to it, he would mention those other uh, chains of narration also. يعقب على الحديث غالبا بالكلام على سنده ومتنه. Often what you find in Sahih ibn Khuzayma is that at the end of the hadith he will annotate or comment on that hadith. So he will mention commentary regarding the chain of narration of that hadith if there's things to be mentioned about it. He'll give some commentary on the actual wording of the hadith and if there's things to point out regarding it. And he also paid attention to making sure that the words of the hadith were properly highlighted in their correct pronunciation, how to pronounce everything properly. And he would highlight where different narrators gave different words of that hadith. Where they gave different wordings, he would highlight these wordings of the narrators. And often when he's going to add some commentary, he would begin by saying, Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr says, or said, and then the commentary. Abu Bakr is of course... Himself. كَثِيرًا مَا يَذْكُرُ الرَّاجِحِ عِنْدَهُ فِي الْمَسْأَلَةِ فِي تَرَاجُمِ الْأَبْوَابِ عَلَى طَرِيقَةِ فُقَهَاءِ الْمُحَدِّثِينَ كَالْبُخَارِ وَبِدَوْدُ وَغَيْرِهِمَا Often, he will mention his opinion, uh, what he believes to be the strongest position in a given issue. An issue comes up, he comments on it, and he will give what he feels is the strongest position on that particular point. Um, and that is often done in the titles that he gives as well of the chapters. And that's exactly how Al-Imam Al-Bukhari would do it, how Al-Imam Abi Dawood did it. So he similarly gives those positions of his, of what he feels is the strongest position in the chapter heading. How in the chapter heading? Meaning what he believes to be the strongest position, that's what he'll title the chapter as. In the chapter title, he will indicate what he believes to be the strongest position. So that is a brief background. 
What is the status of Ibn Khuzayma as a book? How strong is it as a book? Where does it fit in? قال الحافظ ابن الصلاح ثم إن الزيادة في الصحيح على ما في الصحيحين يتلقاها طالبها مما اشتمل عليه أحد المصنفات المعتمدة ويكفي كونه موجودا في كتب في كتب من اشترط منهم الصحيح فيما جمعه ككتاب ابن خزيمة he said that additional authentic narrations, additional authentic narrations on top of what is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, if a student searches for them, you'll find them. Al-Bukhari and Muslim didn't put every Sahih Hadith in there. There are more Sahih Hadith which aren't in Bukhari or Muslim. Of course there are more. Bukhari and Muslim doesn't mean every single Sahih Hadith there is, is in Bukhari and Muslim. There are others too. So if you search for them, you will find them in other books, he says. Other authentic narrations, Sahih narrations, which aren't in Bukhari and Muslim. And he gives an example of one of those books where you could do that, the Sahih of Ibn Khuzayma. So there are authentic narrations in Ibn Khuzayma, Sahih Hadith, which are not in Al-Bukhari and Muslim extras. وَقَالَ الْحَافِظَ الصِّيُوطِ صَحِيحِ بْنُ خُزَيْمَةِ صَحِيحِ بْنُ خُزَيْمَةِ أَعْلَى مَرْتَبَةِ مِنْ صَحِيحِ بْنِ حِبَّانِ شِدَّةِ تَحَرِّيهِ حَيْثُ إِنَّهُ يَتَوَقَّفُ فِي التَّصْحِيحِ لِأَدْنَى كَلَامٍ فِي الْإِسْنَادِ فَيَقُولُ مَثَلًا بَابْ كَرَاهَ Al-Imam Al-Suyuti, Al-Hafiz Al-Suyuti, he says that the Sahih of Ibn Khuzaymah, it is a higher level than the Sahih of Ibn Hibban, which was another book very similar to this from the same century. That the Sahih of Ibn Khuzaymah is considered higher level than the Sahih of Ibn Hibban. Because Ibn Khuzaymah, was very precise and very careful. To the extent that sometimes, even for the slightest, slightest issue, then he wouldn't just stamp it as sahih. For the slightest issue, he would then comment and say X, Y, and Z, if this hadith is sahih. Just because there's a slight, slight issue in there. So he would be very precise and very careful with his authentic, uh, authentication of narrations, even the slightest issue in there, then he would comment and say, if this hadith is sahih, then X, Y, and Z. So he is recognized as being higher level than sahih ibn Hibban. Al-Imam al-Zahabi said, وَقَدْ كَانَ هَذَا الْإِمَامُ جِهْبَذًا بَصِيرًا بِالرِّجَالِ ثُمَّ ذَكَرَ عَنْهُ أَنَّهُمْ قَالْ لَسْتُ أَحْتَجُّ بشهر ابن حوشب ولا بحريز ابن عثمان ولا بعبد الله ابن عمر ولا ببقية ولا بمقاتل ابن حيان ثم سمى خلقا من الرواة الذين حصل في الاحتجاج بروايتهم خلاف بين الأئمة 
مما يدل على شدة تحر ابن خزيمة وتوقيه في الرواية في صحيحة رحمه الله الإمام الذهبي said that الإمام ابن خزيمة was somebody with insight into the narrators he had knowledge and insight into the narrators and that Al-Imam ibn Khuzayma mentioned, I don't take the narrations of Shahar ibn Hawshab, etc., the names that we listed. And so, he, ibn Khuzayma, highlighted a list of people, a list of narrators, a list of narrators, where there was a bit of a difference over whether they are okay or not, and all of this analysis and listing people, and I don't take from him and him, all of that indicates how serious Ibn Khuzayma was in ensuring authenticity and being precise with things. What efforts have the scholars put into Sahih Ibn Khuzayma thereafter? Just like we spoke about Al-Bukhari and Muslim, how the scholars put effort into those books afterwards. Have the scholars done works on Sahih Ibn Khuzayma too? اعتنى العلماء بصحيح ابن خزيمة رواية وإسماعا ونسخا وممن اعتنى به من المتأخرين So yes of course the scholars did give importance to this book صحيح ابن خزيمة and they did work on it and from amongst those who did work on it from the later scholars one of them is الحافظ سراج الدين عمر ابن علي famously known as ابن الملقن Died in 804 Hijri. Died in 804 Hijri. He did a summary of a book known as Tahzeeb al-Kamal by al-Mizzi. Ma'at tathyeeli alayhi bi rijal sittati kutub. Tahzeeb al-Kamal is a book that speaks about the narrators. From the six books. Al-Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, Nasai. Tahzeeb al-Kamal, which is a summary from Al-Kamal, that all speaks about the narrators from those six books. Ibn al-Mulaqtan did a summary of that book, but then added on biographies of narrators from six more other books. And they were the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, the Sahih of Ibn Khuzayma, the Sahih of Ibn Hibban, the Mustadrak of Al-Hakim, the Sunan of Al-Darqutni, and the Sunan Al-Kubra of Al-Bayhaqi. And that book is known as Ikmal Tahzeeb Al-Kamal, the completion of Tahzeeb Al-Kamal. So that is somewhere where Sahih ibn Khuzayma entered into. Walhafiz ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, who died in 852 Hijri, حيث صنف كتاب اتحاف المهر بالفوائد المبتكرة من أطراف العشرة وهي موطه الإمام مالك مسند الشافعي مسند الإمام أحمد Sunan of Al-Darimi, Sahih ibn Khuzayma, Al-Muntaqa of Ibn Al-Jarud we mentioned earlier, Sahih ibn Hibban, Al-Mustakhraj of Abu Awana, 
المستدرك والحاكم ذا شرح معاني الآثار أو الطحاوي and the sunan of الدار قطني those ten books put together into a book uh, by Al-Hafid ibn Hajar regarding the chains and the narrators etc. So ibn Khuzayma's book was in that too. قال الحافظ وإنما زاد العدد واحدا لأن صحيح ابن خزيمة لم يوجد منه سوى قدر ربعه What you will have noted there is that we mentioned the موطأ of الإمام مالك We mentioned the مسند of الشافعي We mentioned the مسند of الإمام أحمد The سنن of الدارمي The صحيح ابن خزيمة The منتقى of ابن الجارود The صحيح ابن حبان the Mustakhraj of Abu Awana, the Mustadrak of Al-Hakim, the Sharh Ma'ani Al-Athar of Al-Tahawi, and the Sunan of Al-Darqutni. How many is that? Six. Six? You only counted six books? Nine? MashaAllah, nobody? GCSE maths, nothing? Eleven! I was counting my fingers too. How much more help do you need? Eleven books they were there. Eleven books. However, the title of Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, his book is Ithaf al-Mahra bil-Fawad al-Mutakra min Atraf al-Ashara. Ten. But there's actually eleven. How come then? Because Sahih ibn Khuzayma, the whole book, we don't have it. All we have available, what is known, is mentioned there as a quarter of it. Al-Hafid ibn Hajar said it's only a quarter of it. So that's why he didn't really count that as one full book and made it 11 altogether. So that gives you a brief background on the Sahih of Ibn Khuzayma. Uh, the next chapter begins on the Sahih of Ibn Hibban. But inshallah ta'ala, we'll begin that as a separate lecture by itself. The Sahih of Ibn Hibban, inshallah ta'ala, the next time. Up to there, that gives you a background on the Sahih of Ibn Khuzayma. So we'll round off on that for today then.